You hear all the bull about diet and exercise. Carbs are evil. Do more cardio. Never eat bread or cookies again. Just do a juice cleanse. We get it. We fell for all of the BS too. It's time to go right to the source with the truth about how to live a healthy, sustainable lifestyle. I am Liz. And I'm Becca. We are your nutrition educators and this is The Food Code. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Food Code. We are back today with another interview out of the UK, um, actually, so it's very exciting. Uh, I connected with Theo a couple weeks ago uh, just through the internet. I was doing some research and found a couple of his articles online, and he's you know been featured in a lot of different uh, places like Huffington Post, Observer, Business Insider, Good Zing bunch of other places. And so uh, reading and filtering through some of his content, his message uh, aligns with a lot of what Becca and I talk about on here. So we wanted to bring him on and kind of provide uh, the male perspective um, to the diet culture and talk about strength training, mindset, you know, dieting too fast, too slow, um, and all of all of those topics today. So we have a lot to cover, um, but welcome Theo. If you wouldn't mind, or you could just introduce yourself to our audience and tell us a little bit about you. Sure. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Uh, it's, it's great to hear from you when you reached out and um, looking at some of your content. So well, I can see where we align. So it's uh, yeah, fantastic to connect. Um, I guess starting from the beginning with me, um, I'd always been interested in, in fitness and exercise, um, particularly martial arts. kind of grew up watching Jackie Chan and Jean-Claude Van Damme and just thought they were so cool. Um, so that was kind of my avenue in. But I was kind of on the flip side. Uh, I grew up quite skinny. Uh, I didn't have much body confidence. There was a bit of bullying at school. Um, so all these things kind of culminated and, and the gym was kind of, I guess, an avenue out or an avenue to kind of get some of that confidence back, build a bit of strength, learn more about myself as well. Uh, so kind of when I hit 16, which is, I think, here in the UK when I was actually allowed to join the gym, I remember walking there with my dad because I think you still need parental guidance to, to sign off or something. Um, and I joined the gym uh, and it was fantastic, scary, amazing. Um, I definitely did everything wrong to begin with. Um, I lifted weights that were too heavy. I was scared of the free weights room and the big guys in there. Um, I did a lot of cardio and, and kind of didn't pay attention to my diet at all. I was a typical teenager eating chocolate for breakfast, thinking I can do what I want and get away with it. And it'll kind of never circle around and get me. Um, but it did eventually. Um, I spent quite a lot of time kind of skinny fat, um, thinking I was building muscle, but never really getting anywhere. And that's kind of what set me on the path to retraining as a PT, um, trying to figure out what worked. Because at the time I was doing the usual reading, I guess back then it was bodybuilding forums and fitness magazines and I guess what now would be social media and, and fitness blogs and, and kind of doing everything they said, which led me to do lots of different things all the time, which kind of led to no results. And I'm sure this is probably a, a similar kind of scenario for lots of people out there jumping from one thing to another. So I kind of figured, I needed to take the time and actually learn what worked and, and working as a PT was part of that. And from there, it was kind of training with other people, continuing to train myself, reading, researching, kind of laying that groundwork to really find the foundation, kind of the basics of what actually works in fitness. Um, and off the back of that, I guess it's probably well, four years ago now that I started my blog, liftlearngrow.com to kind of share what I've been learning. 
and almost as a place to house that knowledge for myself as well. That's, that's kind of me in a nutshell, I guess. That's so interesting. So working as a PT, did you work mostly with males, with females? Was it kind of a combination? Uh, it was a bit of a mix. Uh, I'd probably say 60, 40, uh, so a bit more males than females. Yeah. Um, uh, a bit in the gym, a bit kind of uh, out in the park, yeah. uh, depending. So um, what did, yeah, and, it, sorry, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. That's fine. <laughs> I was going to ask, like, you know, obviously you got your body to a place of being, you know, very lean and I think a physique that a lot of people aspire to. Um, what would you say along the way your biggest realizations were? Like, you know, I feel like we all kind of had some, a couple of epiphanies along the sure. way of, oh, wow, I was doing this and I thought it was going to make a huge difference and it did or it didn't or, you know, what were kind of like your big aha moments along your journey? Um, I guess... Okay, so uh, let me let me see if it makes sense. Okay, so I guess the first thing was um, it was foolish to try and lose fat and build muscle at the same time, um, <laughs> because outside of a few very specific circumstances, it's just not worth your time for the vast majority of people. Mm -hmm. um, and I spent a long time kind of really focused on fat loss, but training in the gym for muscle building, just becoming worn out, exhausted not seeing results, wondering why when I got to my goal weight, I didn't look how I wanted to look. Um, so that was a big one, kind of realizing that these things take time and instead of trying to do it all at once, you just need to focus, set an intelligent goal, focus on one thing at a time and then transition to another, depending how you want to look, of course, not everyone will want to lose a lot of fat or build a lot of muscle, it really depends. Um, outside of that, I think just kind of realizing amongst all the fluff and the fads and the tons of information there is out of there there's only really three things that make a big difference when training for your goal and that is total calorie intake protein intake and the application of a progressive overload when strength training and kind of if you hit those things the majority of the time you can almost forget about everything else um that's so you articulate it so well um <laughs> it's <laughs> I think that, you know, those ex anomaly situations, I think in my experience are like people that are, I consider their like training age to be newborn. Um, you know, people might be able to build some muscle and lose body sure. fat if they've never touched a weight before, if exactly. they've yeah. never dieted before. And I think those are like the special situations. Yeah. Um, but the people that have been doing it for so long, uh, yeah, absolutely. I think that you are 100% right. Um, and the way that you talk about, you know, the you know obviously quality of food we preach a lot on but at sure, the end of the sure. day calorie intake eating enough protein and following a plan versus yes. i think a lot of people especially right now are very lost in like the home workout space yeah. um and just doing whatever which is better than nothing obviously of course. um but the progressive overload of like following an actual program in strength training and i think also in nutrition and having like structure and knowing yeah. what you're doing today versus what your plan is to do a month from now three months from now six months from now um so can you open up a little bit about like the periodization aspect of nutrition and you know we talk a lot about periodization on our podcast um and the importance of for you know you to lose weight in a healthy way and make sure you're losing sure mostly fat when you're trying to lose body fat um yeah. you know how periodization plays into that and kind of your views on dieting sure okay um we'll go with fat loss because uh, i think that's what most people are generally interested so i think with fat loss you've really got to be careful um 
there's dangers to losing it too fast and to losing it too slow. Um, you want to kind of tread this middle ground, uh, what I like to call your fat loss sweet spot, which is, which is kind of where you're losing about 1% of your body weight a week. And this kind of allows you to adapt. So if you've got someone who's 300 pounds, they're not losing the same as someone who's 150 pounds, which is really important. Um, just kind of circling back to the too fast side, if you lose weight too fast, no matter how you cut it, you're going to suffer. There's different, different changes in hormones and metabolic adaptation, which means that your body will do things like make you move less, which you probably won't even notice, but you might opt to take an elevator instead of the stairs, you'll fidget less. There's all these things like sneaky things that your body does like this to kind of slow you down a bit when you're in a calorie deficit. And then you've got... Um, changes in, in leptin and, and ghrelin where you're going to feel hungrier before you eat and then even when you do eat you're not going to feel as satisfied afterwards because of these hormonal changes so lose weight too fast and you just send yourself into this downward spiral where it's going to be really difficult to kind of undo this work and, and kind of get to a place where it's sustainable which is kind of really what you want you want a plan that's sustainable you want to be able to do it for 10 years not just 10 weeks um and then i, I guess had like a a little button that like rang a bell or something or we had no <laughs> when people had like when people said things that we were like preaching yeah. a hundred million times a day um yeah. absolutely it needs to be sustainable thank you i'm sorry for interrupting yeah. no no it's fine it's a very good point i'd quite like that little, little buzzer as well um and then i guess on the flip side to that too slow uh whilst too slow doesn't have the same implications in terms of metabolic adaptation or hormonal changes um I do find that people, if they lose weight too slowly, they get fed up. So it's more of a mindset thing when it comes to too slow. If, if you're losing, if you're on like a, a hundred calorie deficit or something, you're losing like a fraction of a pound a week or something, and then unless you're really, really, really lean, which for the vast majority of people is not a consideration, I'm probably talking competitors here and that kind of stuff. Um, too slow will, will kind of, you'll kind of burn out mentally instead of physically. Um, mm -hmm. You'll get fed up with the lack of progress. You'll get fed up with not seeing results, whether it's measurements in the mirror, on the scales. Um, and so I, I find like there's that sweet spot somewhere in between those two things where you're hitting kind of consistent, steady fat loss, um, where most people kind of thrive mm -hmm. and can maintain it. Yeah. yeah, I think I love that you bring up the mindset component. Um, our podcast that is up currently today is all about consistency. And a lot of times we see people start to be inconsistent, mm -hmm. right? Because the, the results aren't as fast as they think they should be. Yeah. And going back to what you mentioned before is like this diet culture and all of the fads and the gimmicks and the lose weight fast, you know, um, is attractive. That's sexy, especially if someone yes. has a lot of weight to lose. But what they don't understand is that even if they lose weight fast, like initially, at some point it's going to slow down. And even when that slow, you know, when we start slowing down, we have to start to change things up, right? We have to give them these breaks, um, which is, you know, what we do with kind of our seasons of dieting is like giving them this break, this mental break to allow them to kind of one, prevent metabolic adaptation, but also the mental sure. burnout. Because it is frustrating when you're doing all of these things and you've changed your lifestyle completely yeah. and 
nothing seems to be working anymore and you're yeah. not seeing the changes physically. You know, we, we have like a, a very love-hate relationship with the scale because the scale is only one measure of success. It's just a point of data. Whereas we're looking at, you know, body composition yeah. change, especially if someone is resistance training, strength training in the gym, um, working on building muscle, things like that. So we're looking at measurements, body fat percentage, and then obviously the photos. And a lot of times where coaching comes into play and you have probably experienced this a lot with your clients um, in personal training is that as a coach, you can see different things than the client sees, right? Because yeah. we see ourselves in the mirror every day. So we can kind of pull them out of their own head and keep them staying the course um, from the, the mental and emotional side. So I'd love for you just to kind of maybe dive into that. If you've had, you know, moments with clients that they've plateaued how do you start to adjust? How do you coach differently? Obviously, that's a different style of coaching at that yeah. point than it is in the beginning, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah. I think that's all of that is a really good point. And um, yeah, I, I, I kind of think people do generally, because I guess I should say first that hitting a weight loss plateau is an absolutely normal part of the process. It would be expected because of these adaptations as you go along. So losing weight for whether it's a few weeks or a few months and then you hit a plateau once you've kind of gone down the checklist of am I still actually eating in a calorie deficit? How is my sleep? Has anything changed? How are my stress levels? Once you've kind of checked all those things off, then then it, it, you are probably in a point where you've hit a plateau and that's not a reason to worry. If anything, it's a signal that you're doing it right because this is a normal part of the process. We'd expect to see it happen over the course of your fat loss journey. Um, I think what people then kind of generally tend to do in that point and things I've, I've kind of seen friends and clients and even family do is they they either freak out and panic, eat less calories, do more cardio. I guess those kind of the two things that you hear a lot or, or they, they go, I'm going to have a cheat meal. And um, if you've read my, I think I wrote on this Huffington post about this. If you've read that, you know, I hate cheat meals um, because for various reasons, I think kind of the three most important for me are that cheat meals distort your relationship with food. So imagine you start your fat loss diet, feeling pretty good about things you're hitting your macronutrient ratios everything's going well and but the end of every week and normally most people in a calorie deficit they're feeling a bit worn out you're a bit tired you're obviously feeding your body less energy than it needs so you're not going to feel it 100 all the time you should feel pretty good but it's not the same as if you're in a surplus or maintenance and most people will be quite tired and then hey this cheat meal pops up and like i'm here eat whatever you want and things generally tend to go to shit um and most people will, instead of kind of going, okay, I'm going to have one cheat meal. I'm just going to have this one thing. I'll maybe be 500 calories over, which is fine. Bump it back up to maintenance, feel a bit better, get back to it the next day. It becomes a weekend binge and it starts distorting your mentality of good food and bad food, which is another term I don't particularly like. Um, and by distorting your relationship with food and labeling them good or bad, you end up eating more of both anyway, because if they're good, you say, oh, it's good food. I can eat as much as I want. It's not going to be a problem. And if they're bad, you kind of go, well, I've eaten a bit, so I might as well eat some more. And then you end up binging that way as well. Um, so I find them really ineffective for kind of pulling people out of plateaus. Um, I never recommend them. I strongly discourage people from doing them. Um, I guess one of the other reasons I think this is because they're actually ineffective at raising your leptin levels, which is what stops you from feeling so hungry and helps you feel more satisfied after meals. Um, there's some research I can give you to put in the show notes, if you like, that shows that carbohydrate is much 
more effective at raising leptin levels in response to overfeeding, mm -hmm. which is what you really want when you're in a calorie deficit and you're trying to give yourself a bit of mental reprieve and kind of undo some of that metabolic adaptation. Um, so what I generally suggest is either refeed days, um, prioritizing a consistent protein intake and a high carbohydrate intake, um, which has an added benefit of refueling your glycogen stores, giving you a little boost in the gym as mm -hmm. well, or diet breaks, um, which I know is, is what you like to do. So like a longer kind of instead of having a day of higher intake, you have a couple of weeks at higher intake and you really give yourself a chance to, to kind of recover mentally and physically. And then when you get back to it, you're, you're feeling ready to go again. You're feeling like you can actually do this. So yeah, with clients I've had to have kind of hit that plateau, I guess from a coaching standpoint, I've, made sure they know that it's normal it's good mm -hmm. um, it shows that they're making progress um, and then and then yeah depending on what's best for them their lifestyle their preferences will either look at introducing weekly or, or fortnightly refeeds or, or even um, diet breaks every kind of six to eight weeks but just depending how they how they progress really yeah um, I love that that uh, the way that you explain it is kind of like it's okay to hit a plateau. This is actually a good sign. Um, yeah. cause I think so many people get to that place and they just freak out. Um, you know, it's not working anymore. And I think without a coach, a lot of times, this is the point where they're like, it's not working anymore. I'm going to stop because what's the point? Yeah. Um, or they dive onto another diet because they think that other diet is going to be the answer now. Yes. Um, and so the way that you explain that I think is very helpful for people to hear. Um, and I completely agree. I think that in, and I know Liz was the same way, like in the midst of my severe poor relationship with food in the past cheat meals were like I I and sadly the coach that I was working with at that time like that is what he told me you can have one cheat meal a week yeah. um and then I got to a place where I was competing in CrossFit at a very high level and refeed days were what I had um and they were much more structured they were an additional 100 grams of carbs um and everything else stayed the same um and I will say I got to a very lean place at that time I think it was probably too lean I don't think I was eating enough but again I think it was a better situation um yep. but yeah we uh we have found with our clients that cheat meals are so detrimental um because then you feel guilty about yourself it's not just yep. like this was a poor food choice it's like I'm a bad person because yeah. of this. Um, and it takes on this whole new level of guilt. So Definitely. I think that you know, the, what we like to do is kind of the two weeks on, one week off. Um, I hate saying off, but like one week bump to maintenance um, because it seems to be a good way to give, especially females um, who we work with mostly, like we might schedule them on their menstrual week. Um, we might schedule them to where like they have a vacation and we can enjoy a little bit more food and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, we do all variations. And I, I think that the cheat meal concept that you explained is very, very true to what we believe in. It was another bell moment. Um, but, <laughs> um, and he hit, he hit on, you know, this good versus bad food too, right? Because we always tell our clients, like nothing is off limits. There are mm -hmm. simply very nutrient dense foods. And then I call them more like fun foods or the sometimes <laughs> foods, right? Yep. Because I tell some of my clients, if you would like to have a cupcake on a Tuesday, I'd rather you have a cupcake on a Tuesday than wait until Saturday or Sunday and have three cupcakes because you <laughs> felt like you restricted, you know, and that's really where, like, I remember a coach that I worked with like six or seven years ago, he would say like this cheat meal, and I'm air quoting here for all of you who are <laughs> listening, um, was a 45 minute window that you could eat anything and everything you wanted. 
And oh, that just really set me up to be like, okay, well, then I'm going to fit in the pizza, then I'm going to fit in the ice yeah. cream, right? And it wasn't setting me up to say like, okay, this is just a, a meal where I'm going to have a little bit more nutrient-dense foods. A lot of people are shocked when it comes, you know, when we tell them, you know, refeed days or maintenance weeks, the main bump is carbohydrates um, because so many people fear carbs, right? And so they think yeah. that they need to avoid carbs and that that's not where they should go with their refeed. Um, but again, we provide the education behind it so they understand exactly the purpose and intent of this. So I love that we touched on that because I don't believe that in any lifestyle, we should have to feel like we're having this quote unquote cheat or just a free day, right? Because it does, it spirals you into, well, I've already had this cheat meal. Let's say you went to lunch and you had a burger and fries, might as well just continue to eat what I want for the rest of the day. And then I'll start again tomorrow or Monday or whenever it is. And they don't realize that the damage that is done is the very reason they're not losing weight then because that meal turns into an extra 2000 calories and yeah. therefore they're basically overall eating at maintenance for the week. Yeah. Yeah. Can yeah. you talk a little bit about, um, how you believe strength training plays a role in this journey, um, versus cardio? Sure. Uh, so for fat loss, I like to, I've been a friend of my blog and I tell, uh, clients, uh, I, to be fair, I tell anyone who will listen, um, you don't have to do cardio to lose fat. Uh, cardio, uh, I'm sorry, not cardio, diet is, I'd say, like 90% at least of whether you lose fat or not. It's all about maintaining that calorie deficit, which comes back to the sustainability we we're talking about earlier. So first and foremost is finding a sustainable way of eating, um, realizing that there is no perfect diet, or if you like, the perfect diet is the one that you can sustain mm -hmm. and it's healthy for you. So provided you're maintaining good health and you can maintain a calorie deficit, perfect, that's where you wanna be. Um, cardio has a role in terms of cardiovascular health and staying fit, I think, even cardio, something as simple as walking, going for a half an hour walk, 60 minute walk, listening to a podcast, maybe this one, um, can, <laughs> can, can really help with mental well-being as well as physical health. So I think cardio in some way is important. Um, for example, personally, I like to play a lot of football. I can sock a few guys um, and I do a lot of kickboxing uh, and that's the cardio I do and I do it because I enjoy it and I like the, the health benefits it brings me. I don't do it because I need to. I do it because I want to. Um, strength training, on the other hand, you could say is an essential, particularly if when you're losing fat, you want to maintain muscle mass. Um, so there's a big difference in how you will look when losing fat um, if you eat in a calorie deficit and strength train compared to just eating in a calorie deficit. Because um, what strength training does, particularly if you're applying progressive overload, which is uh, essentially the act of getting stronger over time, mm -hmm. um, is it helps preserve existing muscle mass. Um, which means when you lose fat that weight you lose will be predominantly fat and not a mix of fat and muscle so when you get down to your goal weight whether it's um 10 which is i think about 15 percent for women or 12 percent, wherever you want to be it means you will look lean for lack of a better term you will look i guess athletic or muscular whichever way you want to describe it um, you will have maintained that muscle mass so you you have the definition um you have i guess the stereotypical look that most people think of when they say, I want to get lean. Um, but if you just diet without strength training, then you give your body no reason to hold on to your muscle mass, which means the weight you lose will be a combination of fat and muscle, which leads to looking skinny fat, which is, I guess, kind of characterized by being quite skinny with 
a bit of a belly, maybe a bit of excess weight over love handles, lower back, that kind of thing. Um, so strength training does play a big role. Um, it doesn't have to be a lot, half an hour, three days a week, 45 minutes, three days a week, perfect. Just if you want to focus on big compound movements and getting stronger over time is, is yep. probably the most important aspect of strength training. Yeah, I love it. I, I think that so many women are afraid of yep. strength training and they are afraid of getting bulky and yep. bigger. And I, I almost get frustrated because I worked my butt off for many years to become very strong mm. and it is hard work to yes. gain muscle. Yeah. It's um, not an overnight process. <laughs> no, it is not. And actually the stronger I got, the leaner I got. Yeah. Um, at my strongest, I was my smallest. Um, and I think that so many people get skewed. I don't, you know, I think it's this, the Mongols on social media, you know, the people that are just telling people that they'll get big if they lift weights so yeah. that they can come to do their cardio movements or their, <laughs> their whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's so frustrating because it's such a hard conversation to have yeah. um, with women and get them on board with it. Um, you know, also people that are afraid of getting injured and stuff like that. Um, so is there anything that you tell your clients that are, you know, come to you maybe fearful of lifting weights? Or I don't know if the population you get is all like on board with that. Um, um, anything you tell people? Sure. I mean, I guess the majority of people kind of a more from the point of view of why am I not getting big when I'm lifting weights in a calorie deficit but I've, I've had a few people who have definitely been kind of cautious or I guess afraid it's not a bad word to say for um, lifting weights but like you said I think the reality is the process of muscle building um, not only requires you to be in a calorie surplus to physically build muscle for the most part there are a few exceptions but um it also takes a long time and the amount of muscle you can expect to build in a week or a month or a year is nowhere near as much as people think it is. Yes. Um, you're not going to lift weights three times a week for a month and, and look like the rock or something like it's just for guys, I guess, bad example for women. Sorry. Um, but it's, it's just not going to happen. So the, I mean, the purpose of strength training in a calorie deficit, and this is what I try and tell people is, is you want to, you want to maintain strength. You want to help injury proof your joints. You want to help, with your posture um you want to feel confident and in control of your own body and, and strength training won't only allow you to do these things but it also has the added benefit of which people, most people want is maintaining your muscle mass yes. um so it's how i try to explain it um i i maybe might throw in that there's a lot of people on social media who are either genetic outliers or potential steroid users and in which case you can't take you have to take what they say of a grain of salt um Pictures you see on Instagram is not how people look every day. That's for damn sure. Um, lighting and a pump and all sorts of things come into it. But I guess it's just kind of trying to go back to the, the fundamental um, benefits of strength training and, 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 and what it will do for them. And I kind of get, if you can get people over that hurdle and to doing some strength training themselves, they quickly see that what they thought was going to happen isn't going to happen. Yeah. Um, and, and they come around pretty quickly. I, I need to start taking steroids, man. You know, <laughs> I'm, just like, I'm not competing anymore. No one's testing me. Uh, um, anyways, can you dive into a lastly kind of, I think a little bit around the mindset of, you know, going into a fat loss phase. Um, Cause I think that it takes buy-in. Um, you know, it takes people 
and I think a lot of people go into it with very unrealistic expectations. Um, and I think it's on the coach to be able to explain to this person what is realistic, get them on yeah. board and understand like, and be okay with the, maybe the length of time it might take. Um, yeah. And the mindset that's needed to go into a fat loss phase. Um, is there anything that you talk to your clients about when you're, you know, about to start them in one or anything that you touch on? Sure. Um, firstly, I love that you mentioned unrealistic expectations uh, because I think that's that's got to be one of the biggest reasons people quit after a couple of weeks or a couple of months. Um, they, they like we've kind of touched on throughout the podcast. They see in in magazines or people's social media profiles how they can do this workout or eat this diet and and lose weight in in no time at all and they'll have abs by next week and they'll be lying on the beach or what have you um so i think like reorientating people's expectations is is super important i think people really need to realize what speed they can expect to lose weight and what this will mean in terms of how they might feel but also what that will look like as they're tracking their progress which is another big thing for me i think people have to track their progress um they have to track their progress in a number of ways um because as we said earlier the scale is just one point of data um i personally like my clients to weigh themselves daily but only look at the weekly average i'm not interested in what happens day to day i like the weekly average it's a better indication of how their weight is trending um measurements as well what their waist is doing is is quite eye-opening sometimes and again photos because like um we touched on earlier when you see yourself every day you're constantly updating your own image of how you look so it's really difficult to be objective about changes you see you're comparing yourself maybe from yesterday morning to this morning or at the end of the day when you've eaten loads of food to the morning and, and it's really easy to get discouraged so I think kind of really kind of laying these things out and, and giving people a really clear idea of what they can expect to achieve and in what time frame is, is super important. Um, I like to try and tell people that the body you want is a long game. It's not going to happen overnight. Um, the habits you have, good or bad, will influence how long it takes. Um, your level of consistency will influence how long it takes. I like to try and remind people that if you're not a bodybuilder or an athlete or a competitor of some sort, like you have a life and you're not going to be 100% all the time and that's okay. We're not looking for perfection here. We're looking just for consistency. So it means if, if you have a crappy workout today, it doesn't mean it's going to be crappy on Friday. What is Friday? Next week, sorry. Um, the, the main thing is that you do that workout. So I, I try and switch people from looking at i need to lose 20 pounds or i need to do 100 workouts to just do your next workout and just eat your next meal and make sure it fits with your calorie goals make sure you get a little bit stronger in your next workout and then don't worry about the next one until you've done that one just just focus on what's in front of you and try and focus on the small processes that will get you to where you want to be instead of only being laser focused on your big goal because i found and i found this with myself over the years as well if, if i'm so focused on I need to lose 10 pounds. And that's all I look at every day. I haven't lost those 10 pounds is a failure. And that's how I become discouraged. And that's why people quit because they see even a day that brings progress. It's not enough progress. It's not their goal. So they'll, they'll tend to get discouraged and quit. So I think it's reframing a lot of these things or sometimes just explaining these things. Um, and just kind of really trying to get people on board with what is physically possible, put everything else out of your mind. This is what can actually be done. This is how we're going to do it. Not only will you get results, but you're going to feel pretty damn good whilst we do it instead of really crap, um, which generally turns people around a bit. Um, 
yeah, I think, oh, yeah, sorry, I'm just looking at my notes. Something else I made note of is um, kind of the point that, like, I guess eight times out of 10, maybe not that many, like, I don't want to work out. I can't be bothered to meal prep, but I do it anyway because I want the results it will bring. I like how working out makes me feel, both long term and short term. Um, and I never regret it once I've done it. So I guess it's kind of, you don't regret the hard work once you've done it. Mm-hmm. It's just sitting there on the couch watching Netflix or getting up at five in the morning, knowing you've got to work out half an hour later can seem really, really, really hard. And I get it. Like it is hard, but you just have to find a way to do it and kind of knowing what you can achieve and what it kind of takes to get there. It helps reorientate you a bit and kind of let you know that it is worth it. Yeah. I love that you brought up thinking through, you know, the long term and not just today or next week. We can learn a lot about people when we see their level of consistency over the course of months, right? Because what I do today is just a small deposit into what I'm going to reap in, let's say, six months from now. And really, I like to tell my clients, especially if there's a a large weight loss goal, Mm -hmm. to think about a year from now and where I want to be. And I have basically two choices. Between now and then, I either show up for myself every day and I invest that time and make that deposit into the return on investment at the end, or I can do the same thing that I've been doing and which is repeatedly trying diet after diet, you know, getting frustrated and self-sabotaging and then starting again on Monday. And a year from now, I'm likely going to be in the same place I am or worse off because my health is now deteriorated. I have added more body fat because I keep putting, you know, starvation mode into large consumptions of calories. And so I kind of like to frame it for them is you have to have a vision for yourself where you want to be a year from now and you've got to connect to your why because I 100% agree with you. Uh, I'm going to say I'm probably eight out of 10 times. I don't want to get up and work out <laughs> at 4.45 in the morning, you know, but we know yeah. because we have done it as a routine for a long period of time now, how much better we feel after and yeah. how like I feel guilty. I don't want to say guilty, but like, I don't feel as energetic. I don't feel as mentally focused throughout the day if I miss my morning workout. And I also wanted to say that I love that you brought up the steps and the non-exercise activity. That's something that, you know, we talk a lot about with our clients because people underestimate the value of their non-exercise activity and how much calorie it can actually burn, but also, um, how it is less stressful on the body than trying to go in and crush yourself with a workout for 45 minutes and then lie on the floor and need to take a nap. You know, I mean, we can, yeah. we can get some long-term you know, health benefits here and digestive health benefits yeah, too. Sure. And, and just keeping our body mobile is so important. So I love that you kind of touched on all of those things because it is hard to wrap your head around the fact that Sue did keto and she lost 50 pounds on Instagram and I'm losing two pounds a week. This is going to take me forever. But the cool thing is that when we think the long game and we make the lifestyle change, we're way less likely to gain the weight back um, and just be happier and healthier overall. Yeah. I just wanted to, you you touched on something quite interesting about uh, getting like banking bits of progress. And it, it just made me think of 
how by training in the morning or doing your food prep on a Sunday, you drastically increase your chance of adhering to your plan because instead of coming home from work at the end of the day where you're tired and, and especially if you've got family around or busy social life, there's other pressures on you and you're much more likely to bail on that workout you promised yourself you'd do. Whereas by training first thing in the morning, you bank that, it's done. You train when you're you're you haven't you're not had a chance to be tired yet you've done it you've got that in the same with food prep you have a really stressful day at work and you come home and the last thing you want to do is cook or maybe you haven't shopped and there's nothing in the fridge and by spending a little bit of extra time at the weekend to make food in advance or or shop in advance at least so you have food at home then it, it means that the chance of you falling off I guess the wagon or is is much lower and it makes adherence to the plan much much easier yeah I like we like to use too like um daily goals so you know like you said when someone focuses on losing 10 pounds it's all they focus on and every day that is accomplished it's a failure versus why don't we work on hitting 120 grams of protein today and that's your goal or you know why don't we work on getting in 10,000 steps a day and that's your goal and it kind of helps to take the focus away from that scale and the constant you know need for progress um i find that is really helpful for a lot of people um and then personally for me like i love performance goals like i want to get to a 250 or 300 pound back squat. I want to get to, you know, running a 5k in under 24 minutes or whatever it is. Like, I think having those types of goals too, where you have something you're working hard towards every day and putting, you know, effort towards every day, um, that isn't solely about getting to a weight. Um, and it usually almost always turns into positive body composition change. Yes. Um, and so I, I love, we love doing that too, um, with performance-based goals. So I think that everything that you said, um, I'm so glad that we had you on and I love this podcast. Um, you are very good. Now I understand why you write for everyone because <laughs> you're very good at speaking. Sometimes I feel like I can never get the words out. <laughs> so you did amazing at articulating Thank you very much. that I preach all day, every day. Um, <laughs> You know, I, I think that what you said today is going to be very helpful for our listeners. Yeah. I'm glad. And yeah. it's not just Liz and Becca that have these, you know, values around nutrition that was so comforting to see. And even from the male side of the house too, because like we mm. talk a lot with our women. I know I do um, pretty much weekly. You should have sex drive. Like you should feel good. And so like reading yeah. some of your content, like from the male side of the house and like keeping men also, you know, healthy, happy, and confident because a lot of men do struggle with their personal confidence, right? They just don't talk about it, I think, as much as women. Um, and keeping metabolism, hormones, and health in check is so important because, you know, you mentioned before we started recording, like you're a father now. And so you have, you know, a whole new level of, um, desire to show up as the best version of yourself, but, you know, also thriving in relationships with individuals. And so I will definitely be linking out some of your articles because, you know, women out there, I think uh, we have a lot of female listeners. I wanted to have Theo on because I want you to hear 
from the male side, but also be able to point uh, your husbands or other people, you know, that you know that need uh, kind of a, a male role model, um, different, you know, version of Liz and Becca. And so we will definitely be linking out your website, liftlearngrow.com. Um, so many great articles there. And thank you. Um, thank you so much, you know, for taking the time. It's really cool. This is our first podcast <laughs> with someone across, you know, the way, okay, which is so exciting. And thanks for having me. You should, I really think you should consider starting your own podcast. <laughs> All right. <laughs> for sure. So, all right. Well, let's wrap this up. Um, Theo, if you can just tell listeners where they can find you and connect with you, that would be great. Okay. So uh, the best place to find me is my website, liftlearngrow.com. Um, I am on social media, but I don't use it very much. Not perhaps um, I should use it a bit more, but um, yeah, if you want to get in touch with me, then drop me an email at theo at liftlearngrow.com. Um, I much prefer those kind of one-to-one chats. So yeah, any questions, thoughts, feedback, whatever, just uh, get in touch. I'll be happy to chat um, and hope you found this useful. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for spending your time with us. We are honored to be able to help educate you and improve your life. If you've enjoyed this, please take a screenshot, share it on Instagram and tag us at lsn.coach and leave us a five-star reading and review on iTunes as this helps us grow and reach others. So if you have any questions, feel free to shoot us a DM or an email and we will talk to you soon. Have a great day.